Yeah. Should I tell this intro in a story form? No. Gather around. (laughs) Gather around, kids. I'm going to improv a story. This is a podcast that started out with entrepreneurship and comedy talk. Real raw dog talk. Mm? I'm Darren! We're the number one comedy business podcast in the world. And we got... I'll give you that one. John Lifsey. Lifsey? Lifsey? L-I-V-E-S-A-Y. That's definitely how you spell it. Uh, if you go to johnlivesay.com, I'm just going to say it like that. It's not how you're supposed to say his last name. But if you go there, that's where you can find our guest in his uh, best-selling book, The Sales in the Tail, baby. Um, listen to us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts or music, whatever that's called, iHeartMedia, um, anywhere you get your audio podcast. Give us a five-star review if you want to be our BFFs. That means a lot. To this show so much takes means so much you're listening right now just you can keep going you don't even have to pause it just five star that shit subscribe it share it with a friend a loved one co-worker your boss dude tell your boss oh. to lighten up it's a cool boss yeah they're a cool boss um this episode sponsored by squarespace that's our dog that's our that's our ride-or-die content management system, a CMS, if you've heard that word before. WordPress, you get too many plugins, you're screwed. Uh, this is an all-in-one, customizable solution for making a website. Everybody should have a website. You don't need a template. You can get your free trial to start today with the link in our promo, and the promo code link in our description. Was that a pretty good story? Pretty bad story. Pretty good. It rambled, it wasn't concise. And it had no sticking power. Hotty dotty. It's called sweat equity. <laughs> sweat equity. Sweat equity. Sweat equity. Sweat equity. Are listening to the Sweat Equity Podcast. Sweat Equity. Yeah. All right. I didn't know it was tank top day. Otherwise, I would have wore a tank top. I'm in Austin. It's 80 degrees here. But where are you guys that it's warm enough? It's always tank top day in Tampa, Florida. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The index city of the of the United States. Um, Yeah. I was in Fort Myers over Christmas, and it was lovely for a few days, and then it got cold. Oh, really? Because I was about to go volunteer down there uh, for some of the hurricane efforts. There's still a lot of people that oh, yeah. um, are, are still have homes that are just still flooded, which is wow. crazy to think about because that was three months ago. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, what hurricane? <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. And I, uh, my church was uh, showing pictures on Sunday and I was just like, wow, I'm a real piece of shit. Cause I didn't, I didn't volunteer to go down there. I can move, I can move heavy things. Um, never too late. Well, I might, I might, I just have to have a free day off for my kiddos, which I usually have them on the weekends. Um, John, uh, we're going by the way, we just, we just roll into it. Sorry. Oh, okay, great. Sorry. Um, we, before uh, the audience doesn't know, but before this, we had about 10 minutes of scrambling around because of uh, software updates and AV issues and all that. And this is a reschedule from us uh, having a bit of a kerfuffle on our end. So we're not looking too professional on your end, but we like, we go tank tops because we think of ourselves as professionals. 
Got it. You don't have to say that a lot. I I love it because I came up with it. Uh, John, (laughs) the pitch whisperer, why don't you give uh, people, the audience, where to find you? John Lift. Lives say if uh, Lives say yes. If you want Will's to make right a the compound uh-huh. word out of his last name, <laughs> three syllables. Yes, people can find me at my website, John Livesey. Uh, if you can't remember that, just Google the Pitch Whisperer, and all my content shows up. And I help people tell stories to help their life get better. Whether it's getting a startup funded, winning sales, getting a job, it um, is a skill that everybody needs, and very few people have. Storytelling is, it's a diff, it's, there's a duality to it. It seems very innate and it Mm. seems, um, it seems it's very difficult and very innate at the same time. I feel like it's in there with sense of humor, taste in music. Mm. Uh, we're in the marketing world. So a lot of people think marketing is pretty easy. Yeah, I've or writing. About, a lot of people think everybody can write ad copy too, and it's like, Ooh, oh, really? Because okay. <laughs> to me, that I, that's the most difficult for me because I'm quite. It is, I, yeah. And but everyone thinks they're a writer. When you, I used to work in advertising, and clients would constantly be going, oh, I want to change that copy," and you're like, "Oh my god, right. um, did you write some for me?" Write, <laughs> yeah, you wrote an email doesn't mean you can write an ad. So yeah, storytelling is something that is in our DNA, because if you think back to when we lived in caves, we told stories by campfires. But um, to be a good storyteller is a skill set. The good news is you don't have to be this incredible athlete or performer to learn how to be even just a better storyteller than you already are. Well, um, you know, it, it's one of those things where, I mean, how many, how many stories have you been told? And people may not know what you do, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're a keynote speaker as well. So that, that should be kind of clarified for everybody. You're not yes. just, uh, kind of punching up or, or kind of crafting people's, uh, sp- speeches or stories that they need to tell. You're, yep. you're also doing it too, which I think is a really valuable part to your kind of offering. Cause I feel like there's people that can write them, but if you're not doing them, you don't really know. You, you got to have that empathy. Well, of doing there's it. still a performance to be done. There's still right. a, you know, yes. the actual doing it part. I was just watching yeah. the prestige. There needs to be some performance to it. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Well, you know, five years ago, I was on a mission to help as many salespeople as possible or entrepreneurs as possible get off the self-esteem roller coaster. Because I was on it. I only felt good if my numbers were up and bad if they weren't, or I didn't hit a goal or something bad was happening. And I realized that when we think of ourselves as the movie director of our own lives, we zoom out and we go, wait a minute, I can yell cut, I can change the scenery, I can move, I can change the cast, and I am not going to let any one thing, whether it's getting laid off from a job, which happened to me, or a divorce, which happened to me, or a hurricane, which happened to my cousin in Florida, determine my story. And when you are able to zoom out like that and you don't let anyone know or rejection devastate you or get you off your path, then you're really free to be creative because we can't be creative and fearful at the same time. And so that's why companies bring me in at their annual sales meetings typically because the sales team is doing what they have been doing, which is let's push out all the facts and figures and numbers and, you know, make it a very logical reason why somebody should buy our product or service. And they, they that's not working anymore. What, what do we need to do? And then you go, oh, everybody decides who they want to work with and who they want to buy from based on emotion. 
yes. and then back yeah. it up with logic. Mm-hmm. So that's where the storytelling comes in because it tugs at your heartstrings if it's told well. Yeah. Are you, are you, are you telling like, all right, the example you kind of gave, it sounds like you're leveling up a lot of sales teams and yes. they were getting to a plateau uh, performance wise. Are you telling them, Hey, you need to find that through line of the person you're talking to instead of doing the script of here are the benefits. Here's why you should do it. Here's why we're better. You know, that mm-hmm. very blank, that very kind of templated yes. uh, sales script that right. someone over the phone or zoom or gong or whatever might do. Yeah. Um, you're telling, are you telling them to find that really talk to the person? Exactly. I tell people your brain should be a jukebox depending on how old you are or a playlist. And okay. instead of having multiple songs come out, you have multiple stories come out mm. depending on who you're talking to. So the story you tell a CEO is very different than the story you tell, um, you know, an advertising person or, um, somebody running a store. So, if you have multiple stories ready to go to your ideal clients, let's say you have five different avatars and you have, so you have five different stories that typically fit one of those five categories. Then you're telling it because the whole goal of a good story is that people see themselves in it. Let me give you an example. I think it'll come to life much faster that way. So Olympus medical and the camera company makes medical devices. Mm-hmm. Why is that funny? No reason. Um, we may have had uh, former yeah, entanglement, yeah. I guess. No oh, anyways. Go ahead. Got it. We'll, we'll um, cut that out. So, so <laughs> they, um, they uh, in, in had me speak to their sales team, and they said, you know, we have this piece of equipment that makes surgeries go 30% faster. <laughs> we just don't know why that's not selling faster. It's so logical. And I said, there's no story. So this is the story I crafted for them that they now tell. Imagine how happy Dr. Higgins was down at Long Beach Memorial six months ago using this equipment, and he could go out to the patient's family in the waiting room an hour earlier than expected. And if you've ever had to wait for somebody you love to come out of surgery, you know every minute feels like an hour. He comes out, puts them out of their misery, and says, good news, the scope shows they don't have cancer, they're going to be fine, and then turns to the rep and says, you know, this is why I became a doctor for moments like this. Now, that rep tells what I call a case story instead of a case study to another doctor at another hospital who sees himself in that story so much they say, that's why I became a doctor. I want your equipment too. So the client said, oh, my God, not only are we not telling stories, it never occurred to us to make the patient's family a character in the story. This story gives us chills. So that's storytelling in action in a sales situation. And Go ahead. Well, I... I, that sounds great for one-off, seemingly big purchases. What do you do if you have uh, a client that's, you know, maybe you're a repeat, repeat sales, you know, sort of thing where you're, you know, Call maybe center. selling new products or you, you work for a company that has multiple thousands of products and this is on sale this week. How do you work with that? Well, again, if you think of your brain like a playlist, you're going to have a different story. And ideally, regardless, if you start opening up with facts, this is on sale this week, then you're going to be seen as a commodity. And if you, but if you tell a story of here's why this is selling like hotcakes and people, we only, you know, it's, it's on sale. So it rarely goes on sale. There's a reason why, why people want this. They still, you still need to go back to the core story of how is this going to make your life better? Hmm. 
Okay. Sell me this pen. That <laughs> I mean, that kind of is the object of that kind of goofy, over-the-top movie. Yeah. Right. Well, if you go back to that story I just shared, it doesn't matter what the price point is, whether it's a big scope or a pen. Um, a good story has an exposition. You paint a picture of who's using it, who, what, where, like a journalist, because you've got to paint the picture to pull people in. Then you have to describe the problem, and the problem has to be big enough for people to care. If the stakes aren't high in a story, nobody cares. So maybe you need a pen that's not going to explode on you or whatever the situation is, right? In this case, it was the patient's family was why we targeted in on that for the pain point. The solution is what it does. Um, but the real secret to any good story is the resolution. What is life like for this person after they've used your equipment, bought the pen, what have you? And imagine if the Wizard of Oz ended when Dorothy got in the balloon to go back to Kansas, the end. But no, there's this amazing resolution where she's in bed going, oh, my God, there's no place like home. And you were there. That's why that story is a classic. And most people don't have a resolution on their story. Yeah. Did you, for, did you remember that part? Because I, I, like, I, I honestly don't know forgot what, that part. It was like a whole new story to us. The last time I watched Wizard <laughs> you know, of Oz, I, I think we tried to sync it up with uh, Pink Floyd and yeah. uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. the third line roar. Yeah. And we we're just like, oh, this is working for sure. <laughs> this is too much. Uh, uh, well, uh, you know. It'd be fair to say, you know, I just uh, talked to a friend of the program. He's a comedian. His name's J.B. Ball. He'll, m- most likely will be a household name in stand-up. And I was talking to him today, and he was kind of – we were going, we were running bits by each other, and he was like, you got to stop kind of like inceptioning your storytelling. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you, you got references that work, but you're really – he's like – he more or less was telling me like, you need to keep it to like one metaphor if you use one, because uh, that can be a cheat code on stage. Uh, yeah. This is like sure, this. Yeah. And then I was like, you're right. I need to keep these stories in an A, B, C sequence. You know, and that sounds yeah. like kind of the structure. Very basic. Very, very. I, I study comedians all the time. And the really, like the stand-up comic specials in particular. And you'll notice, as you were talking earlier about performance. So it's not just the story, you have to perform the story. Um, I tell the story of um, how I got to meet Michael Phelps when I was selling advertising for a fashion magazine and Speedo was coming out with a line of sportswear and I went to them and I said, hey, you want to advertise that in my fashion magazine? And they said, hey, no, we're going to put it in a fitness magazine. And I gave them two words that people now use as a takeaway, which all your listeners can use now is, what if? When you get a no or an objection and you say, what if, you keep the conversation going and you imagine a different scenario. What if we treated the sportswear like it was high fashion and it had models modeling it around a swimming pool? And since Michael Phelps is on your payroll during the Olympics, had him show up, I bet you get a lot of press. And they loved that idea. So I got the advertising. And then for me, as a former lifeguard, I got to meet Michael Phelps. And... I said to him, you know, Michael, everyone says you're such a great swimmer because your feet are like fins and your lung capacity is bigger than the average person. I'm guessing there's something else. He goes, oh, yes, John. When I was younger, my coach said to me, Michael, are you willing to work out on Sundays? Yes, coach. Great. We just got 52 more workouts in a year than the competition. Then the question for everybody is, what are you willing to do that your competition isn't willing to do or hasn't thought to do to get to yourself at that Olympic level? So that's another example of a storytelling technique, but you'll notice that I 
told the story in present tense as if you were eavesdropping in on the conversation I had, and there was a story within the story. So I'm meeting Michael Phelps. I'm excited because I'm a former lifeguard. But then, cut to the story within the story of Michael's coach talking to him. I changed my voice, and I said all that dialogue in present tense. If I just said to you, you know what, guys? I met Michael Phelps, and he said he worked out on Sundays, and that was his secret to success. Not nearly as memorable or interesting as the short little story I told you. And, and the part where you gave the what if in there, right? Because exactly. the story oh. of you doing it was, here, here's my resolution, what I think. Mm-hmm. But you tell me, what if you know, I'm wrong, basically? It was the subtext, right? Yeah. Well, what if got me the sale? So salespeople now have a new tool in their bo- toolbox to use, ask that question. What if when they get a no or something to paint a different picture, come up with a bo- an, an idea that no one's thought of. And then the resolution to that story is what life lesson can you learn from Michael Phelps and apply it to your own life? Um, well, we, we skipped over the question we asked everybody that comes on this show for the okay. first time. I don't do, Well, the first question before that, I should say, is did you listen to any episodes of Sweat Equity before coming on? I did. Oh, I I got the whole the whole downlink of uh, other guests, and um, I had some time. And um, uh, I I, I, my question to you is, how did you come up with um, the name Sweat Equity? Because I know that in the startup world, they talk about that in terms of. You don't pay people necessarily to come on your team. The, or they're, you know, you're putting in your, or as a founder, you're putting in your own sweat equity. But I thought, what a clever name for a show. So that was, um, and then I'm really interested in augmented reality. So I liked that episode <laughs> you did a few weeks ago. Um, yeah. um, well, the name came about because uh, I started an agency in 2014 or 2015. And I saw a lot of business podcasts coming up that were, you know, a lot of them were very direct business and I wanted to have real business talk and I was also hustling my ass off and it was kind of that, that thing. Now that's, that's the fun story. The real story is probably I looked at what phrases, business phrases weren't really taken yet, you know, in 2016, 2017 when the podcast started. Glad you jumped on it. Um, yeah, well, I, you know, uh, I had a football, po- a college football podcast for like seven years or five years prior to starting Sweat Equity. But I was like, mm-hmm. this could be an outside brand that can leverage the brand can leverage to the agency. But also, why do I get in? Why did I get into helping small businesses in the first place? I find entrepreneurial stories, big or small, always interesting. And, and I, we use it as a tool, a selling tool too. Where yeah. come on the podcast, we can repurpose, you know, whatever blurbs you have, you know. High quality nice. audio and video, and there you go. Yep. And if you think I always, I've started to say after a while, I go, if you think I'm full of shit, because I'm, I'm kind of, uh, we're in an industry where a lot of marketing agencies are full of shit. Mm. They don't really yeah. do it, everything, and so I go, I can't act my way through hundreds of episodes. Like I can be intense, but I'll oh, be your biggest right. male cheerleader. And yeah, I have a freak amount of knowledge, but also you know I'm going to ask a lot of dumb questions. Uh, and a lot of it comes from communicating comes from stand-up. So it kind of mm-hmm. mixed the two worlds of entrepreneurship and a stand-up life and kind of yep. you know, found this kind of genre where we're the number one in our genre because I don't, we yeah, don't really we know anybody else up. doing it. Um, and I, I know this is your show, but I have another question for you. Do you find that you're your funniest when you're not trying to be? Because that's what happens for me. 
Uh, no. <laughs> I <laughs> We're mean, pretty much uh, always trying, kind of, so. Got it. We don't want it to get too serious. We want it to be a conversation. If you were sitting in the room, how would the conversation go? Yeah, and Law and I are the type, we will, anything that is said, try and think of a joke for it. And that's just, I mean, since we were no, kids. Because I have two examples of me not trying to be funny, but people finding it funny, and now I include it in my talks because it works. Yeah. If, if that would Go be ahead. interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, so I was talking to a friend, and I said, you know, everyone on Instagram is in these hot, cold, these cold tubs now, and I was reading research that it fights fat and burns to... You know, fights depression and you know, reduces inflammation. I go, actually, dude, it had me. It burns fat. And he laughed. And I wasn't even trying to be funny. And I thought, that was just me being honest. I'm like, I'll take a cold shower just if it helps burn fat. And then I thought, well, what if I stop working out and just take three cold showers a day? Would that work? You know, so I just take it to a ridiculous level. Mm. And, and so those are, that's an example of me just riffing with somebody and going, I think there's, you know, research alone is not enough to make decisions on. And then I take it into why stories are important. So, so did you, did you ever get into the cold tubs? Do you ever do the cold showers? You went right, the cold into, showers. Yeah. You went right into Eric's wheelhouse here. Oh, that's a, my, yeah. yeah, that's my jam. Oh yeah. I have an ice machine at home, a little ice tub that right. I uh, fill up a lot. I mean, once a week I'm in there, ice water. Yeah. yeah. And Go ahead. If it does any of those things, but for me, the number one, I, I was done. It burns fat. I, that's all I needed to know. <laughs> oh, it's weird for me. Like if I go a while without doing it, like I usually don't get sick. And I, I went like three weeks and my kids got sick and sure enough, I got it too. Usually uh, I'm bulletproof on it. And you're, you have a very improv in a good way. Yes. And kind of uh, vibe mm. to you. Uh, I'm guess. Did you do any improv? Because the breakdown you kind of gave earlier, Really reminded me of being in the Groundlings classes and going. Oh, nice! Uh, all right, and f- when the lights are down, right, and then they're <laughs> yes. going to come up. You need to have seven things going at once. Like, what's the setting? Right. Who are you? What's your, yep. what's the relationship to the person on stage totally. with you? Yep. You need to be doing some space work, right? And yep. then eventually you got to heighten the situation <gasps> because it needs yep. a climax because it's a story. Really, you're telling, yep. uh, and then it needs a resolution. Um, and if you negate, it's all over. I mean, the office had the best kind of, uh, right. uh, uh, on, on the sitcom had like uh, the best scene of that ever. He'd just have a gun and hold right. people hostage. <laughs> Shoot everybody. And, or yeah. like he whispered in or, someone's yeah, ear. Don't and, say you have a gun. Um, yeah. did you do any but, improv or you just come to that naturally? No, I, I did do some. And ironically, that's where I came, uh, I got the, the name, the pitch whisperer was the, the Anthem Insurance had interviewed me to be their keynote speaker. And it was between me and two other speakers. And I asked this one simple question, which is, well, what's going to happen after my talk the rest of the day if I'm your opening speaker? Oh, we're going to have an improvisation session. And people are going to role play on stage. And the audience is going to shout out objections. And people are going to be on stage improving how to handle them. And I said, well, what if I stay after my talk and would whisper in their ear, if they get stuck, something from my talk to keep it going, because it's, as you said, yes and. They go, oh, my God, we'd love that. Nobody's, we hadn't thought of it, and nobody offered it. So when I was doing it, the people on stage were like, oh, my God, can you be in my ear when I'm in the field? This is fantastic. And so I told that story to Inc. Magazine, and they're like, you're like a pitch whisperer. And I'm like, oh, I like that. And so I've trademarked it now. That's awesome. So I mean, for those employees, I'm guessing you were a godsend. They were probably like, what? <laughs> 
we have to do improv first, and yeah. then you show up. Probably pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, well, the the question since you did listen, so you might be a little prepared. Is uh, what advice would you give your thirteen year old self? Ooh, I love doing time travel stuff. Me with too. Younger, older stuff. That is one of my all time favorite stuff. I like to mentor people like that. Going when I was your age. I was so stressed out when I was 30 that I hadn't made that 30 under 30 list. And I thought, I'm a failure. And they're like, are you in my head? Yeah. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Sympathy. Right? Because so you're like, um, it's weird. But you, really, you remember those midlife crises happening as young as 30. When I was 13, I was a competitive swimmer on a swim team. And I, my advice I would give my 13-year-old self was Relax. Stop stressing out so much about what the future is going to be. The job you have doesn't even exist yet. And you worrying about being a success is not going to make you a success. Instead, just enjoy this time now. Um, you know, t- speaking with you reminds me, it also kind of gave me a trigger memory of you know, getting, <laughs> no, n- nothing bad. No. Oh. Uh, well, just like if I smell fresh cut grass, I think of football mm. practice, like, yeah. you, know, you know, that kind of trigger yeah. memory. Yeah. Um, and the storytelling kind of, um, coaching, I would say reminds me of, uh, I had a couple recruiter coaches, coaches, coaching, um, mm. you know, to get kind of C-suite level jobs or, uh, that kind of thing. And I think the audience we have might, might benefit have you helped anybody in those kind of job interview situations? Cause they will, oh, a lot of people will tell yeah. you mm. don't go, uh, they'll go, you're going to get a question of like, you know, mm-hmm. how did you overcome failure? So you better yes. have that jukebox. You better have that story. Ready to go. You know, you're going to get asked, tell me about yourself, bring your resume to life. And you know, you're going to get asked, why do you want to work here versus someplace else? Um, and one of my tips for people when they're being interviewed is, we also know at the end of that interview, after they've asked you a lot of questions, they typically will say, hey, do you have any questions for us? And of course, some of the young millennials or whatever the Generation X is that haven't been coached at all will say, yeah, when does my vacation start and how long do I get? Okay? <laughs> and that is not the question to ask. Instead, I tell people this is the question. What would it look like if I were to exceed your expectations in this job? That's a good one. Mike drop. I had somebody hired on the spot asking that question because the interviewer said, listen, we were already leaning towards you and you may not have all the skills we're looking for, but we can teach those. What we can teach is that attitude. And what you're doing with that question is future pacing somebody. What would it look like? So I'm already imagining you in the job. And instead of saying I'm someone who exceeds expectations or does more than the minimum, you show it in that question. Yeah. So I'm actually getting hired to speak uh, to a real estate company sales meeting because their job is to recruit the top producers from competitors to come work there. And those people are great at selling houses, but they're not so great at telling a story to recruit people. So I now help people recruit talent from competitors through, you got to tell your story why you're a great leader, why your company's values matter, and what someone's life is like after leaving that competitor and coming here and how much better they are, not just money-wise, but emotionally, family, balance, whatever. Um, just on that re- the that reply to the question, you said, if I exceed, I believe you said if, right? I was just curious. Like, what would it look like if I were to exceed your expectations? Right. Exactly. Would yes. it be 
uh, prudent to say when and just say like it's already locked into them? What what would it look like when well, I exceed expectations? I, I, you know, yeah, it seems I calculated. To, yeah, that's why I'm asking. Little, yeah. I'm asking the yeah, expert. You know, the, the old way of selling is very pushy in terms of you know uh-huh. the assumptive close, which is you know would you want this tomorrow or Friday kind of thing. For me, the subtlety is I know I don't have the job yet, so we're imagining a future together. Mm, okay. If, as opposed to when. Mm-hmm. Would it be fair to say if there's any reactionary, not reactionary, like any, like, okay, there's the theory everybody's a salesman. So that's an old school Harvard Business Review kind of thing. Yeah. No, no matter what, if you're in outside sales, inside sales, or in middle management, yep. it doesn't matter. You're, you're, you're always a salesperson, right? Mm-hmm. The, the job interview one, I think, kind of hits everybody. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of why I want to focus in on it. But it, it's one of those things where do you, the next level I would guess is to have different stories, <laughs> like have uh, maybe five in the hopper because of questions you're probably going to get asked. What's your biggest yes. weakness? And then right. trying to play it to the person. Yeah. Well, or the I'm all about be authentic and remember that you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. And so I think, you know, I was just reading an article about this where someone asked a potential boss, do you micromanage? And they said, no. And then they took the job and then they got being micromanaged from day one. And they said, oh, I didn't ask a good enough question, which was, how do you define micromanaging? (laughs) And that that person would have had to describe what they, you know, because maybe they don't see themselves as a micromanager, but it sure felt like it on the other end. So... Yes, you need to have all kinds of stories of, and you take people on that journey of, for example, I hired an interview coach because when I got laid off from Condé Nast after being there 15 years when the mortgage crisis hit in 2008, I was like, oh my God, I've lost my job and have I lost my identity? And, you know, because you get so tied up in corporate world to that. Um, And so I hired an interview coach. And he said, we have to bring your resume to life, so tell me a story. And it was that same structure. Two years ago, Jaguar came to me and said, we want to make people think of this car as moving sculpture and have an emotional connection to it. What kind of marketing ideas do you have to bring this to life? And so what we did was we had 10 couples that we knew had leases coming up that were in Mercedes and BMWs. We picked them up, took them to a private Golden Globes party that we hosted. They got to hang out with celebrities. Then we took them in the car again to a private dining room at a restaurant where we had somebody from the Museum of Art talking about sculpture with a Jaguar person there. And in between courses, they could take another test drive of another car around the block. We ended up selling uh, three cars that night, including one to the chef. And I got 10 ad pages, which was $500,000 in sales. So that story of how I got that sale has all of those elements in of... You just storied us, man. You just got us with it. You answered the question with a story. Yeah. You got us good. No, uh, no, it was, and, and it was a very intriguing answer. I, I wish more of our guests had some kind of linear story to tell a lot of the time. Um, you, I, I, wait, I have a question okay. about bad storytellers. Bad. Do you okay. have any tips... Yes, to I help do. somebody through a bad story that they're having to. I take this yes. as a personal listen. assault. Yes, mm-hmm. maybe they talk the too much. The number one. So there's three C's. If you all like to take notes, so instead of just saying what a bad is, I'm going to give you the good with it. So a good story is clear. A bad story is confusing. 
the confused mind always says no. And whoever's confused with a bunch of acronyms or whatever is never going to tell you they're confused. We're just going to say, no, thanks. Or I'll think about it or whatever. So clear is the number one thing. The second C is concise. Don't ramble. And so you need to practice your stories with friends and say, could this be more concise? Do I need to have that detail in there or not? Um, and why does it need to be concise? So that people can remember it and repeat it. Sticking power, yeah. And you need them to become your brand ambassadors and pitch it internally sometimes because you tell a story to somebody and they're like, well, we heard three pitches. They all sound the same. I guess we should go the cheapest. Oh, no. These guys from Sweat Equity told us a story about their marketing agency. And I saw that they really understand our problem and the outcomes they got for another client that sounds just like us. And let me tell you that story because it's concise enough for me to remember it and repeat it to justify hiring you for the meeting after the meeting is what I call it. And then the third part is, is it compelling? So clear, concise, compelling. If your story doesn't have any emotional tug to it, there's no high stakes, it's just a bunch of facts, then we don't remember it and we don't care. So that is the opposite. <laughs> if it's not clear, it's confusing. If it's not concise, it's rambling. And if it's not compelling, it's boring. Yeah, um, I, I I agree with all that, and I need to uh, sure. uh, rewatch this part um, several times. I was asking about if somebody's telling you a bad story, what can you say to them to make it stop? Like every woman I've dated. Oh my god! <laughs> yes. Um, well, the Louis C.K. Do you have a story that you can tell to to flip it around on? Right. Um, the polite thing, especially if you're in a date situation, would be. I'm really interested in what you're saying, but I'm having a little trouble following it. <laughs> Paying attention. You can you keep sum on. up to me? Can we jump to the end so I can understand where we're going? Because uh, something like that sometimes helps. And sometimes it makes them figure out, oh, and they wake up. Because they just get sometimes, and uh, my sister is guilty of this. She, she goes, oh, I wasn't aware. I'm aware that I tend to talk too much, but I wasn't aware that that story was going on too long. Okay. <laughs> Um, let me. So the point is this, you know, or whatever. <laughs> is is it frustrating to be the pitch whisperer, <laughs> literally an expert in your field, and your sister probably doesn't take Just your send advice? Send her a bunch of your own links. <laughs> about concise. Because stories. I I was already thinking ahead. I've told people like I'm not following anything you're telling me right now, and the, yeah. they just they plow on. You oh, know? some people don't care. And you're they're just like I'm kooky. This is how I am. And you go well look. What's the, what's the point? You know, tell me why you're telling me this. Yeah. Um, you know, it's more, <laughs> is it frustrating? Sometimes if we keep going back to why do I want to have a relationship with this person, whether it's a personal relationship or a business relationship, that helps usually steer things in the right direction. Um, yeah. And you have to. usually if, if someone is rambling on, there's some deep-seated psychological issue of I don't feel seen and heard. And so I just need uh. to keep talking until you make me feel seen and heard oh. and ideally appreciated. And so the dynamics with me being the older brother and her the youngest and having that sort of an ongoing drama that's acted out. So um, That never ends? I, it <laughs> no. never really ends. It, you know, oh, uh, no. unless, you, unless somebody goes to therapy and heals it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I've done my part. Um, Ooh, that's <laughs> uh, iron. Um, don't worry, they're not listening to this. Uh, um, the sale is in the tale. That's your uh, your uh, bestseller. Uh, five storytelling secrets 
to keep from drowning in a sea of sameness. It's mm-hmm. a business fable. Um, can you do you have a concise way to tell us the the five storytelling secrets before we depart? Sure. Well, first of all, a business fable means it's a story about storytelling. So you're on this adventure with fictional characters and you see yourself in the story. And then at the end is the five methodology steps, your own story of origin, the company story, the case story, those kinds of secrets that you have ready to go. And you understand how to tell each one of those kinds of stories so that people just don't think of you as another marketing firm, another dentist, another lawyer, what have you. And I would add, um, PR and branding wise, people forget this part. Branding isn't a logo. It's, it's more than that. It, and you want to dictate your own message. Do you, are you helping a lot of brands with that? Because I feel like that's becoming more important than ever. And some, when some don't, if they're not thoughtful and kind of calculated at mm-hmm. a certain point, they get big and then they're not telling the story. It's right. other people telling it for them, which could be incorrect or not the way they mm-hmm. want it. Is that something you're helping a lot of brands with? What's the call to I, action for your audience here? <laughs> yeah. Um, my niche is helping salespeople tell stories to win business. There are other people that help brands with their branding story. Okay. Although I've been interviewed by AdAge on what Super Bowl commercials I think are telling the best story. And I do help companies make sure that the story they tell about their company is bringing their values to life and not about how many offices they have and how many employees they have. So, But it's all about if you're about diversity or sustainability and have a story of how you're doing that as opposed to just listing it, then people go, oh, our company cares about that too. We want to do business with a company like that. So there's where I get into storytelling for brands. Making that value come to life is what my niche is. But if anybody wants to sample the book, if you take out your phone and t- t- text the word pitch, P-I-T-C-H, I got to emphasize that P. Somebody else thought it was a different show. <laughs> um, uh, to 66866, you get the uh, first chapter for free. All and that right. should... Jump, it's like a Bond movie. It jumps right into the story, and um, hopefully you'll want to know what happens next. Well, we'll put that in the episode description. Thanks for coming on. This was uh, very enlightening. Oh, good. I was a blast. Thank you for having me. Are you, are yeah, you good? No, thank All you. Right. See you, John. See you. Bye, guys. <laughs>